0: Hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags.
1: Welcome to Disney Deciphered podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we continue our ride guide series with New Fantasyland, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and Under the Sea, The Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Final episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. Shout out and thank you to Serena for your recent review. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash Deciphered for bonus content, or you can use me as your travel agent at no cost to you and I can help you plan your Disney vacation. Get started by emailing Joseph chung at travelmation.net if you have any questions for the podcast reach out to us disneydeciphered at gmail.com at ww deciphered on twitter or on facebook and instagram disney deciphered thanks and enjoy the show hi i'm joe from as the joe flies
0: and i'm leslie from trips with tykes
1: And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we are continuing our ride guide. We are going to take a trip over to the Magic Kingdom, new Fantasyland. I guess I would have preferred to do Epcot first, but theoretically, Leslie, when this episode comes out, we will have finally ridden Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind. And so our next ride guide can be Epcot, maybe the two new rides there. But yes, we are recording before our trip. And with the way airlines are going right now, who knows if we'll actually make it down there. I guess I'm more at risk because I'm only going to be there for a couple of days, but you theoretically going to be there for a week. So hopefully we can do Epcot next.
0: Yeah, don't jinx us before we start. I know like a half dozen people stranded just today alone. So as we're recording it, so hopefully we make it there. I mean, I guess if worse comes to worst for me, I can get in a car because I'm going to be in North Carolina before my trip. So I can drive down there.
1: If you get to North Carolina. But True. yes, this is a reverse jinx. I'm trying to reverse jinx us okay. so that everything goes smoothly with our flights. But before we get started, we also want to thank a new patron, fan in YXE. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you can receive bonus content, which will include live trip reports from our upcoming trip in June. Alright, so let's get to new fantasy land. A brief history in the late 2000s Disney announced what they called quote the largest single expansion to the Magic Kingdom since it opened in 1971 which is pretty fair I think and that result was new Fantasyland. there were lots of additions Uh, they moved Dumbo and doubled the capacity they added restaurants like Be Our Guest, Gaston's Tavern, they added five new princesses you could meet four at Princess Fairytale Hall and then Ariel at Ariel's Grotto and most importantly and what we're going to be talking about today in our ride guide series two new attractions seven Dwarf's Mine Train and Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid. Now, quick shout out to Alicia Stella at OrlandoParks.com and also YouTube.com slash 3 Stop for Providing that great history of New Fantasyland. But Seven Dwarfs Mind Train, now I did not check with you beforehand, but were you there at the opening?
0: No, no, I missed that opening. I was there for a lot of the subsequent things at Disney World in future years, but that was before I was getting any Disney and media invites. So I missed that fun.
1: Ah, too bad, too bad. Well, let's start with Seven Dwarfs Mind Train in New Fantasyland. You know, why don't you go over when it opened and just some of the stuff we need. To know the basics about Seven Dwarfs My Train. And oh, I should say, Ride Guide, for those of you who haven't listened to yet, who haven't listened to any Ride Guides yet, is our series just going through the different attractions in Walt Disney World. So you know what to expect and you know what you need to know to make decisions for your kids and yourself as you're deciding whether to ride something or not. So Seven Dwarfs My Train, kick us off, Leslie. All
0: right, first things first, it's Seven Dwarfs with an F. Not with a V. <laughs> so uh, I love how
1: you, I love how you, she's just reading off the notes and I didn't write that as a note, but she knew that I wanted that to be said. Yes, excellent. <laughs>
0: absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, because people get this wrong. So it's important to, to know your Disney lingo, like we just recorded a few episodes ago. Anyway, Seven Dwarfs Mind Train opened in the summer of 2014. It has a height requirement of 38 inches. So this is on the lower end for coaster like attractions at Walt Disney. World. So, this is kind of like one of those ones that a lot of people try first just because they're tall enough for it earlier. So, like a lot of kids will hit 38 inches by like age three. So, it, you could be that young, potentially three or four, and be able to ride it. Probably not your kids, Joe. <laughs> Mine did. Wow. Wow.
1: <laughs> I was going to insult my kids myself, but you did it for me. Thank you, Leslie.
0: Continue. Of course. Please. Of course. Insulting my children. Continue. <laughs> All right. The official word from Disney on Seven Dwarfs Mind Train is race through the Diamond Mine from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs on a swaying family coaster ride. All right, so let's start with the queue, Joe. Uh, What do you think about that? What have you seen when you've been on the attraction?
1: Well, first of all, I never go through the queue. Uh, (laughs) The only time I've ever been through the queue is like during extended evening hours. Same. (laughs) I will say, since it was a newer ride, Disney had introduced new interactive elements. And so a lot of the queue is outside, and you kind of pass by the cottage where Snow White hangs out and stuff like that. I honestly haven't seen Snow White since I was like seven years old, so I'm not going to speak to the canon of Snow White. But along the way, which is really fun, is there are a lot of interactive games and things to play with, which are good for kids. Part of the queue is outdoors. And then finally, you get indoors, which has excellent air conditioning, I should say. But I think the real kind of benefit of this newer queue is that there are the things to play with while you are waiting in line, which you will, as we'll get to later, be waiting for a long time time in line if you are in standby. Now one other note is that this attraction gets such a long standby line that sometimes it queues even outside of the queue area like along the pathway and so just you kind of got to pay attention to that and when it does that there's always a cast member at the very end of the queue holding a sign that says Seven Dwarfs Mine Train queue begins here. Um, That's when you know it's a bad day or if you're rope dropping often they leave it out there as well. All right, so tell us a little bit about the ride capacity and, you know, how many people can ride this attraction and then let's get to the run through of the attraction after that.
0: All right, so it's a pretty short attraction and according to Theme Park Tourist, it takes about 1500 guests per hour. So, so that's a pretty solid throughput, you know, which makes sense for a newer ride, but it's not like a massive people eater.
1: Yeah. So, it Does pretty well. Now, I think the problem is that it's a pretty short attraction. It's only a little less than three minutes long on the actual attraction. Now, I think the big kind of innovation of this roller coaster is it featured a ride system that sways back and forth. To simulate the experience of riding in a minecart, it's not like a ton so that it's not going to scare you or make you sick or anything like that. Or, I mean, it doesn't make me sick, so if it doesn't make me sick, it's not too bad. But there's some gentle swaying as you go on the attraction. And yeah, the ride run-through, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, You know, you start from the station, and then you see vultures from the movie. There's some drops and... I would say it's a very standard kiddie coaster, but the thing that really stands out in Seven Dwarfs Mine Train are actually the slow sections. Halfway through the attraction, you enter a diamond mine. Where it's like very bright, resplendent. Uh, the seven dwarfs are mining for gems and they're singing. It was cutting edge audio anim- animatronics at the time when they came out. Of course, if you listen to our Pandora ride guide, you know that there are better audio a- animatronics now. But it's a really awesome section. It's actually my favorite part of the attraction because the roller coaster part itself is just you know it's a kiddie coaster. And then finally, there's a second half of the roller coaster, but it's over pretty quickly. And at the very end, you see the cottage and you're looking into the cottage where. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs are dancing and singing together. But of course, ominously, the evil queen is kind of, she's kind of like creepily looking at them dancing. Um, And so that's how the attraction goes. It's very short and sweet, but really great for kids. And let's get to this, Leslie. Who do you think this attraction is for? um, And, you know, what are your general thoughts on it?
0: So I definitely think this is a really good starter coaster. I mean, maybe sort of once you've graduated from Barnstormer, but maybe even before that, because it really is a very smooth coaster because it's newer. So you're not going to feel like jerked around. And so it feels okay for younger kids who maybe are sort of nervous about the herky-jerky kind of coasters. And sort of it being a combination of a dark ride and a coaster together breaks it up a little bit, gives kids a break. It's short. So like you say, if your kid is screaming... their head off and they really hate it at least it's over quickly um but you know my son has not done it yet so uh we'll let you know in a week or two how that goes I mean the last time we were there he was four and he was very much not a coaster kid and now he's eight so I think we're like in a whole new realm but yeah it's really great for sort of that starting age to sort of test out like along with Slinky Dog Dash whether you're ready to sort of graduate to the bigger coasters um I'd say maybe it's even a tad more chill than Slinky Dog because there's not quite as many drops. There's maybe equal turns, but maybe not quite as big of a drop.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is definitely more chill than Slinky Dog. I think with Slinky Dog, the thing with kids is there's also a little break in the middle of Slinky Dog, and you know we'll get to that attraction eventually for a ride guide. But... I think what kills me about Slinky Dog is at the very end of the attraction, there are all these ups and downs. There's like four or five in a row. And if your kid is not having it, by the time they get to that point, then they're really not having it. Whereas Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, there's none of those like kind of up and down sections that kind of get you really sick at the end if uh, you already want to get off the attraction. So a lot easier barrier to entry for a Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. In fact, I think Barnstormer is the entry-level roller coaster, but that's only because you would have to wait so much shorter to do the Barnstormer. If you could wait 15-20 minutes for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train like you do for the Barnstormer at the end of the day, you know, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it is a really great coaster for beginners. Now, I found it hard to think of who might not like the attraction. I mean, I guess if you know that you hate roller coasters already, you might not want to go on it, but other than that, Leslie, I, I really can't think of who would not want to go on this attraction.
0: Yeah, it pretty much pleases all audiences, absent my four year old son, apparently. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like an age thing. But like once you're of the age where you know whether you want to go on a roller coaster or not, I feel like this is an attraction to try out. And even if you're not like a fan of roller coasters, if you can tolerate them, I think you should check it out at least once. I mean, there's a reason why it's one of the most popular attractions at the Magic Kingdom, which brings us to whether it's on Genie Plus or Individual Lightning Lane at time of recording and for the foreseeable future until tron light cycle run opens it is on individual lightning lane so tell us a little bit about how individual lightning lane works for seven dwarfs mine train at least until we find out what happens when tron light cycle run comes online
0: Sure. So right now, the cost for individual Lightning Lane for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is 10 to $12, which I think is kind of a deal <laughs> compared to some of the prices, you know, given the ride's popularity. It does sell out quite quickly. You really need to purchase it before 7.30 a.m. I mean, ideally right at 7 if you're not, you know, booking something else at that very moment. And, you know, in general, it will be sold out by the park opening time. So it really is only one that you can buy. Um, if you're staying on site. I mean, occasionally you'll look into it if you're staying off site at a really low crowd time. And there are, you know, occasionally some drops throughout the day where you might be able to snag a couple of extra purchases. But, you know, you really have to be on your phone and watching to, to snag one of those. So, you know, do keep checking if you're just desperate to ride it and the line's really long. But this is kind of one that if you want the guarantee, you've got to be on site and you've got to be booking it right at 7.
1: Yeah. A website that I've gotten to really enjoy checking out is called Thrill Data That's thrill-data.com, and they will monitor when the various return times are for individual Lightning Lanes and Genie Plus return times for all attractions. Now, compared to, say, Rise of the Resistance or Flight of Passage, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train definitely does better than those two attractions, but still, like Leslie said, if you're going to buy the individual Lightning Lane, you really want to get that as soon as possible. And I'm going to add in here that if it eventually goes to Genie Plus, like if you're listening to this and Tron has come out and... Seven Dwarfs Mind Train has moved to Genie Plus. That's probably going to be the first attraction that you want to get on Genie Plus every day at Magic Kingdom. Now, if you're not going to pay for individual lightning lane, standby line strategies. This is the attraction that the majority of Magic Kingdom, I would say at least half of Magic Kingdom guests who are rope dropping are going to. I'll say right now, if you're staying off site and you don't have early theme park entry, forget about it. Go to some other attraction, you know, start with Jungle Cruise or something like that for your rope drop. But if you do stay on site or at the Swan and Dolphin or Good Neighbor Hotel and you early theme park entry you really want to be there at least 45 minutes to an hour before you're technically allowed to enter the park they're going to let you in and they're going to hold you at a rope in the hub right in front of the castle and where you want to be waiting is at that bridge that is at about 1 p.m if you're facing the castle and the castle is 12 o'clock you want to be at that bridge that's about 1 2 p.m uh, the one that's closest to the castle on the right side you know, as soon as they drop that rope, they'll escort you to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and make a B line straight for that. That's your best shot at rope drop. Now, you can also ride it late or during extra evening hours, but even during extra evening hours, I've found that the wait times until like the very end of extra evening hours are still, you know, maybe 20-30 minutes and with Magic Kingdom as such a target-rich environment, you might want to ride other attractions. So, those are the standby line strategies and just another thing to note that is if there is super heavy rain or if there's lightning, the attraction will shut down and that will back it up even more for the rest of the day because you know they're going to have everyone who bought individual lightning lane they're going to give them a chance to come back anytime during the day to do that all right any final thoughts about seven dwarfs mind train before we give it our tier ranking
0: i don't think so let's get right with the rankings i am giving seven dwarfs mind train an a and just to refresh people's recollection the highest ranking is an s this is borrowing from video game geekery Thanks to Joe. You're welcome. (laughs) So I'm giving it an A. I mean, it's pretty close to an S. It's a very good ride in my opinion. But at the same time, it's short. It's a long wait. So like it loses a couple of points for me, just sort of given how difficult it is to get on it and then what the ultimate payoff is. But I love it as just like kind of a frolic that has some roller coaster, some dark ride, some really great visuals. Definitely a must do for me every trip. What about you, Joe?
1: Yeah, it's also A tier for me. It would be S tier if the weight was like a little bit shorter i mean it's the type of attraction that if my kid really wanted to i would i would wait maybe 45 minutes to an hour uh in the standby line for but it's regularly pushing 70 80 90 100 minutes it's not worth that long of a standby line and yeah 10 to 12 dollars for individual lightning lane isn't too bad but that is relative to the amount of time you would be waiting in standby so those are our thoughts um let's move on to the next attraction and what is that leslie
0: That is Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, which opened earlier than Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It opened in the summer of 2011, so several years before Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. New Fantasyland was really many years in the works. So something to sort of keep in mind in terms of your Disney history. This is an attraction that has no height requirements, So this is one the whole family can do together and you can even like carry, you know, like a baby in a, you know, carrier or something like that on board with you. So why don't you give us the premise and backstory, Joe?
1: Yeah, so Disney says, board a clamshell and become part of Ariel's world on a musical adventure awash with scenes from the animated classic. Now, you Disneyland fans out there may know this attraction as The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. And these are the same attraction, at least as far as I can tell from the internet. Leslie may have ridden both. Uh, my daughter refused to go on this when we were in Disneyland. You know, <laughs> I, I was like, weird. I was like, I need to try it for research. She's like, she could not care less about <laughs> Ariel. It's I brought the wrong daughter to Disneyland for this particular attraction but uh yeah so that's the premise and the reason of course why there's no height requirement is because it is a dark ride which you'll remember from our disney terminology episode you're just on a slowly moving vehicle going through various ride scenes now the queue is a really nice queue again it was kind of part of this new disney new fantasy land you know you enter ariel's grotto from the outside past a bunch of waterfalls which even on a hot day the air from the waterfalls or you know the splashing water is it's a little bit cooler than the rest of the park which is nice and then eventually you get to the inside part of the queue where I tell people all the time that Little Mermaid has the best air conditioning in Magic Kingdom and it's a place where I always love to go when it's hot and the queue is included in this I find the air conditioning to be quite nice in the queue a lot of focus on the air conditioning I mean we're about to go to Walt Disney World in June so it's on the mind it's on the mind. But yeah, you're going to pass by various shipwrecks. And then the highlight of the queue is Scuttle. Uh, the seagull from The Little Mermaid sets up the story. That's a cute animatronic there. Um, there are no pre-shows for this attraction. Or we should have said there's no pre-shows for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train as well. And, you know, it's a really long attraction, which is nice, again, for the AC. It's like seven minutes long or something like that. And it runs through a ton of guests, almost 1900 guests per hour. So very good throughput. And that's one reason why as you'll hear later uh, standby lines are very manageable later during the day okay so Run us through the ride, Leslie.
0: So the ride, surprise, surprise, pretty much follows the plot of the movie. So if you've seen The Little Mermaid, you're going to recognize a lot of the scenes, the main scenes that sort of move the plot along. You're going to go first under Eric's shipwreck, and you're going to see Scuttle playing an accordion, sort of giving you the backstory of Ariel. Then the ride sort of turns backwards, and you go almost like you're descending into the water, kind of like you do um, in Haunted Mansion when the doom buggy turns around and you sort of go um, a little bit on your back and go under under the sea
1: this is the highlight of the ride sorry Sorry, spoiler
0: they, (laughs) they
1: blow cold air in your face and yes i'm very hot right now actually as we're recording this and so i feel cool just thinking about that so on a hot summer day that's the best part of the entire attraction yeah. part of me, could. I
0: totally agree. You really do have AC on the mind. So once you go underwater, then you see Ariel singing part of that world and that sort of famous scene with Flounder. And then you've got Sebastian coming out. You know, you've got an under the sea conga line, a lot of the under the sea uh, creatures singing along. There's just like a big, big showroom. I mean, this in terms of it, like other dark rides, this is grander in scale. I mean, all the rooms are bigger. You know, if you're used to sort of the regular fantasy land dark rides. This is like uh, another level. So, this is more like almost like a pirate's or something in terms of uh, how big the rooms are. So, then you go um, to Ursula's home. You've got Flotsam and Jetsam there looking ominous. Ursula is singing Poor and Fortunate Souls. And, you know, spying on Ariel as she is wont to do. Then you go to another room. Ariel kisses Eric in the lagoon on the boat, that famous scene from the movie. And, you know, kiss the girl, of course, is playing.
1: They don't actually kiss. So just in case, you know, you're worried about that. They get very close, but then they pull away at the last second.
0: It's very Um, G. It's very G.
1: Yes, it's very rated G. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll finish this off since, uh, you know, it's a pretty long attraction. Right. And so finally, after Kiss the Girl, I don't I don't know, like all of a sudden they warp to the wedding and they kind of skip over all the action part where uh, Ariel gets her voice back from Ursula. But uh, Ursula is like very mad kind of in the background uh, while you see her voice vocalizing. There's a big wedding. There's a lot of fireworks going off and it's very cool. And then you end with Scuttle playing you out and telling the end of the story story as you're on your way out so it's a very chill and relaxed attraction if you listen to my trip report from back in february this is where we hid from disney enchantment because two of my kids were deathly afraid of hearing fireworks because they were scarred from Harmonious the night before. So nice, long attraction. And when there are no lines, it's a great place to chill and relax. You know, if there are thunderstorms, well, it won't be a short line if there are thunderstorms, but another great place to go. And yeah, that speaks to who the attraction is for. It's really for anyone. It's a dark ride. And the only scary quote unquote part is the Ursula scene. But you know, she's just singing Poor Unfortunate Souls and you can cover your kid's eyes if they're scared of that for some reason. It's a great place for a break uh, as long as you're watching the lines and not waiting in too long of a standby line. In terms of who might not like like the attraction, I think for both the attractions today, it just feels like the only reason why you're not going to want to go on this attraction is because you don't want to, you, you just don't want to relive The Little Mermaid and you have other attractions that you want to do. But I don't I don't think anyone would actively not want to go on this Unless they just have no interest in The Lord of Mermaid. At least that's my thought on it. And because I care about air conditioning so much, I go almost every single time I'm
0: there. Yeah, I mean, I could see people like me who um, do ride it a lot at Disneyland, you know, skipping it. But even still, I do ride it at Walt Disney World because, yeah, the air conditioning. So, yeah, I almost never miss it because of that.
1: Yeah, and also... At Magic Kingdom, I would also say like you need a break and whether it's doing this or Mickey's Fill Our Magic or something like that, you just need to sit down and just relax for a little while. Carousel of Progress and People Mover, another great example. So this is one of those sit down, relax, steal yourself for the rest of the day type of rides. Now, this attraction is on Genie Plus. Tell us a little bit about Genie Plus strategy if you have Genie Plus for the day.
0: All right. So it's one of the less popular attractions on Genie Plus. You can pretty much get it within like an hour or so of when you book it so this is one that you definitely should not prioritize in the morning you know leave this for later in the day when you're kind of looking for some filler and other lines are just too long or there's no genie plus return times for other things it probably will save you the most time if you time it for mid-afternoon Um, If you wait too late in the day, the ride actually turns into a walk-on and you don't really need Genie Genie Plus. So like, I'd say aim, you know, three o'clock-ish, give or take a couple of hours to get the most bang for your Genie Plus buck.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably only stressing about getting this attraction on Genie Plus if you have a princess or specifically Little Mermaid obsessed child, in which case maybe get the Genie Plus for around 2 p.m. when the lines are super high and ride it then, but... By seven, eight, you know, you can write it again and write it again and again and again if you want. Now, that just kind of gives away our standby line strategies. If you go in the morning, Before 10, 11 a.m., you can pretty much ride all morning as many times as you want. It doesn't start, you know, it's very far towards the back of the park. So even if it was a priority ride, it's just physically people don't get back there very much. So in the morning, ride as much as you want. Late in the evening, ride as much if you want. And it's really only in the middle of the day where the standby lines really back up. And you will see sometimes the standby line will back up to 45, 50 minutes at say 3 4 5 p.m but then by 7 8 9 p.m unless it's like a super busy day you'll see it drop all the way to 10 15 minutes and if you see a standby line of like 10 to 15 minutes it may actually be a walk on they play very fast and loose in my experience with the wait times at under the sea journey of the little mermaid all right so let's give our attraction review and tier i will start first this time like i said it's a very solid attraction solid dark ride very enjoyable so i give it a solid b tier it is not the best dark ride out there it's not a must do but the combination of it being very easy to get on being a very long attraction and being a hit with almost any age group uh, makes it a very solid ride in my mind so i put it in the b tier what do you think leslie
0: yeah, it's a B tier for me too. I mean, I-, I sometimes take it for granted because, you know, I can ride it all the time at Disneyland. But then when you judge it against other dark rides, it definitely is sort of a, you know, modern dark ride, a bigger dark ride, one that you can spend a lot of time on. You know, good AC, like we said. So the animatronics are, are pretty quality at different places throughout the scenes. So I guess it doesn't get its due in some, <laughs> in some ways because it's not like a classic, like some of the ones, say, at Disneyland and Fantasyland. But it's a solid dark ride. So I definitely have grown to appreciate it. And definitely any attraction that you can count on to have short lines, you know, during big chunks of the day, that's a nice bonus, too, because those are few and far between these days. Definitely. All right, Joe. Well, let's end this new Fantasyland ride guide with our traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have for us?
1: All right. So my Disney do is specifically for people who have strollers or something else that they need to leave in stroller parking outside of the attraction. Maybe if you have an ECV, again, refer to the Disney terminology episode. My Disney do is do check out what is the closest stroller parking to the attraction's exit. So I will use Under the Sea, Voyage of the Little Mermaid as an example. I always like to park my stroller when we had strollers out by Ariel's Grotto, which is where the meet and greet is because that is where the attraction actually exits. So I like to have my stroller close at hand for my exit so I can get out of there as quickly as possible. And at under the sea, it's even better because you can kind of do a double dip right under the sea, then go visit Ariel. Then your stroller is there. Get a lay of the land. If you can strategically park your stroller somewhere where you can get a quicker exit, I always prefer that than to have the stroller close to the entrance because I hate doubling back. Now it's not always possible like at Peter Pan and it's a small world. You have to park your stroller over by the tangled bathrooms and you're kind of stuck with that no matter what. But when you can park your stroller near the exit.
0: Definitely all about minimizing those logistics.
1: All right, so that'll do it for our ride guide of New Fantasyland. Let us know what your tier rankings would be for Seven Dwarfs with an F, Mine Train, and Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. Crazy that, uh, you know, those are kind of the last attractions added to Magic Kingdom before Tron Light Cycle Run finally opens up. Uh, So... It's time for a new attraction, and even on top of Tron, I feel like I mean, a lot of people have been talking about how Disney needs to add more attractions to Magic Kingdom. But these are two solid attractions a tier and b tier and so let us know what you think of them disney deciphered at gmail.com at ww deciphered on twitter or on facebook and instagram disney deciphered thank you everyone for listening and other than that leslie thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and i will see you going through the lightning lane of seven dwarfs mind train because you wouldn't be caught dead in the standby queue
0: thanks joe